but uh, we're now going to uh, pivot and, and talk, uh, bring, bring on board our next guest, uh, Francesca Fiorentini. Uh, she was an a anti-war activist here in New York City in the, in the mid-2000s and then uh, made a transition in her career to political comedy and has really become a, 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 a really incisive uh, voice for uh, bringing leftist ideas to all kinds of people who um, you know, might not be in the uh, immediate activist scene but are open to uh, the kind of ideas she's uh, been putting forward uh, Francesca, welcome to WBAI Radio. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me, John. Good to be here. Thanks, Amba. Uh, back in the old stomping grounds, back in Brooklyn, where it all started. I mean, not really, but kind of. Yeah. So, uh, for for starters, can you just talk a little bit uh, about uh, your time here in New York in the in the, in the two thousands when you're anti war activist, and then uh, kind of the uh, hunger you felt to kind of strike out in a new direction that led you uh, to a career in uh, leftist political comedy. <laughs> that, well, that is not an oxymoron. It is possible, and you've proven it over the last decade. Oh, thanks so much. I try. Yeah, that's that's just called burnout, John. You know what happens when you do movement work for too long. It's great, and uh, bless everyone who can make it multi-decade uh, or longer. Um, but, you know, it's hard, and I think sometimes – the left needs to laugh at ourselves. Uh, we're silly. We're ridiculous. We've all been in those seven-hour meetings, and you're like, really? Is this happening? There are no snacks. So uh, for me, I was a very active anti-war student at NYU. NYU had, uh, like many campuses across the country, one of the most active uh, and a very active anti-war presence because it was uh, 2000. So we had the war in Afghanistan, the war in Iraq, uh, and we had a lot of wars to stop. Um, and it sort of feels like maybe we've kind of learned our lesson, at least in the meantime, as we are in a uh, holding pattern here in Ukraine and um, exercising a, a bit of restraint, which is sort of uh, new for uh United States to exercise some restraint in times of war. But yeah, you know, it's, it's funny because it was, um, it was a good place and a really important moment to become politicized. You know, the Bush years were some dark years for those of you who remember them, obviously. Uh, Unfortunately, listeners- I do. <laughs> Sadly, we all do, right? WBII listeners are not the people who are saying, I miss Bush. No, in no way do we miss Bush. Not even Trump could make us miss Bush. Um, but yeah, they were super formative years. And so I think it's really important sometimes on the left, we, we often like suppress the kind of creative side. Yes, there are the people who are really good at puppets, right? Yeah, you got the puppeteers and you got some people who are great at making signs, but you know, Right. I think that it's it's seen as a very selfish career to kind of like be a comedian or only be an artist. Um, and I do think there is a way to do both. And so it was fun for me to stake out and do some comedy. But it was also fun to mix that with news and basically bringing a leftist message into a more mainstream um, media. And I think versus 20 years ago, there's way because of the internet, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we used to have zines. We still have zines, but like there are zines online every single day, right? So there's so much more media out there. And so I think it is really wonderful and important for folks who are grassroots organizers to be savvy about how to get their message out and also do it in a fun way, in a way that can be entertaining, 
maybe a few jokes. So that's kind of what I think of myself as doing. Right. right. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, I, I also meant to mention that you, you're now hosting a, a podcast, The Bituation Room, uh, on Sunday evenings. Uh, yeah. With comics and activists and organizers, uh, you, you also appear on the Damage Report on Young Turks, and um, and also have done some really outstanding uh, uh, humorous videos with uh, with uh, Newsbroke and uh, Amba. I know you uh, were digging around a little bit, and you, you found a, one of the more uh, uh, memorable uh, uh, episodes uh, from uh, Francesca uh, in 2016 about white fragility. Right. In 2016, you produced and started a newsbook video that uses the motif of a human resources department training film to satirize white fragility in the professional managerial class. It begins with a scene in which Becky, a white woman, admires her black co-worker, Jen's kinky black hair so much she can't resist wanting to play with it. Let's listen in. We'll go to that clip now. Hey, Jen, I really like your hair. Thanks, Becky. I think the curls are awesome. Black hair's the best. Ah, can you not do that? It's kind of inappropriate. What? Why? Well, it's kind of racist. You're probably wondering what went wrong in this workplace interaction between Becky and Jen. Unless you have a keen understanding of racial discrimination in today's workforce, you probably didn't notice that something very offensive has taken place. Jen called Becky the R-word, causing Becky to feel shame and sadness. How can we avoid situations like this? Well, all right, that's the, the opening to the satire of uh, white people's sensitivity to other people's racial sensitivities. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the uh, most popular videos uh, you've ever produced for AJ Plus's uh, Newsbroke. Uh, what was the inspiration for that? And you, can you talk about how six years later, uh, reality uh, in many ways has outpaced the ludicrous scenes that uh, you depict in that video? Oh, absolutely. That's why it's unfair. Like the modern day GOP makes a political comedian's job completely moot. Impossible, in fact. Um, it is a work speed up. It is. <laughs> it, it, it's just ridiculous, right? You know, you you could say, I mean, you could be like, oh yeah, what's Trump gonna do? Like say that uh, we should put Chinese flags on our aircraft and then bomb Russia and blame China? No, no, he just said that. He literally just said that. So, sadly, and that video was very popular and it was very fun and funny, but it just became too real. Now there are literally white sensitivity, i.e. like we're banning critical race theory bills in states across the country and in schools across the country. They're banning books. So there's been a lot of those like we could laugh then and now it's just it's like you you really I mean, my motto is you got to laugh not to cry because ultimately um, this is far too real. But you know, one other we've we've done other things about Newsbroke was a was a show I did on AJ Plus, and you know we talked about the alt right and how the alt right is so ridiculous, and it's if what if they came out with their own music album? It's like the alt right alt rock, you know. And I had no idea what the alt right was in 2016, no idea. And I was working with my coworker, he was like, no, 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 trust me, this is a funny, it's a funny bit, it, it exists, and I was like, I haven't, okay. Months later, right? Six months later, you're like, oh, there are alt-right meme lords 
in the presidential cabinet right now. So, <laughs> like, I know we all know who the alt-right is. Um, but, yeah, it's kind of the, the, the brilliance of, uh, you know, the pain that we all have to nurse through comedy, which I'm very big on. Right. And uh, uh, you're going to be uh, taping uh, or hosting a, a live uh, edition of uh, uh, the Bituation Room uh, on Thursday evening at the Bell House in uh, Gowanus, uh, Brooklyn. Uh, yes. Uh, can you uh, tell us about who your special guests will be? And then uh, we're going to uh, offer our listeners a, a, a special uh, special something as well. Yeah. No, it's going to be super fun. It's going to be live at the Bell House, yes. And my guests are Council Member Tiffany Caban, um, Queen's Council Member, and she is – I'm really excited to dig into New York politics with her. We'll see how much – um, she will tell us about her thoughts on the new mayor and his um, policies, especially around policing. You know that she used to be a public defender herself. So I know she'll have a lot of thoughts on that. And, you know, as there is a discussion in New York City um, about crime being on the rise, um, whether real or imagined, you know, how can politicians like Caban really lead the way um and impact city council, um, you know, and I think that we're all eager to see as someone who used to call New York home. I'm, I'm you know, I've always felt like it, it's a very hyper militarized um, city and it's only gotten more so. So Tiffany's going to break that down. We've got Sam Cedar of the Majority Report again. uh a very very popular podcaster, radio host. He's going to be in the in the house. Uh, also, comedian Matt Lieb, uh, who is just so funny. So we're gonna, you know, look. We'd like to take a piss out of a reflection, analysis, and all that good stuff. And then we'll play some games, have some drinks. Um, it'll be a good night. And um, look, I I I'm just glad that uh, the surge of Omicron is coming down so we can all kind of enjoy each other's company with, in a more relaxed way. Yeah, we're looking forward to being there as well. We'll be handing out the latest uh, edition of The Independent. Um, and uh, um, But for our WBI listeners, uh, you know, a, a few minutes ago we were offering uh, that amazing uh, flash drive with the uh, voices of more than 70 women trailblazers plus the, the beautiful WBAI tote bag. Well, if you call in, Right now, 212-209-2950 will not only uh, give you that, but uh, the first five people who call in and take advantage of this, uh, we will add uh, a ticket to Thursday night's performance to that yes. bundle. For, for $15 a month as a WBAI buddy, you get the flash drive, the tote bag, and a ticket to uh, Thursday night's habituation uh, uh, room uh, uh, podcast live at mm-hmm. the uh, beautiful Bell House space in Gowanus, Brooklyn. Um, and for folks seven who want to hear a little bit more, doors more, at seven. Uh, Sorry, doors yes. open at seven. So two one two two zero nine two nine five zero. And uh, Amba, I, I know you've been uh, digging into uh, some of Francesca's stuff. I think you have a, 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 another highlight you want to share with us. Right. So, I mean, as probably all of our listeners know, Russian invasion of Ukraine seems to be setting off a Cold War 2.0 with the Biden administration rallying other Western nations to come to Ukraine's aid. 
Setting aside judgments about the wisdoms of U.S. policy in Ukraine, one thing we can be certain of is that this will postpone any reckoning with our national mythology of America always being number one. You previously tried to make light of this folly, Francesca, in a video titled, Can America Let Go of Being Number One? Now, let's go to that clip now. Can America let go of being number number one? one. And no, not just in mass shootings and military spending, also weapons dealing. We know from fact-based, stat-heavy, well-researched, peer-reviewed studies, America isn't actually number one in the world, or the best. Unless best here is in reference to Melania's anti-bullying slogan, be best, in which case, it kind of works. And yet, we cling to the idea that we're the best, that everything we do in the world is for the good of it, and that we're the world's role model. It's often referred to as American exceptionalism. I'm Francesca Fiorentini, and today we're looking at this national myth of being the best, whether it's time to let go of it, and what it would mean if we ever did. Your thoughts about that, and also how this... uh Mythology inhibits us from uh, embracing things like uh, socialism that might actually make our lives better. Yeah, I mean, just look at history, right? Every time usually Democrats introduce any kind of social programs, the right is just at the ready saying it's socialism. And then when it finally incorporates things like Social Security or Medicare, Um, Years later, no serious Republican would ever openly talk about rolling those things back because they're insanely popular. Right. So, you know, it just like tale as old as time here. What's interesting about the moment we're in now is that no matter who is in power, when there is a war that pops off in the world, the you know, the opposition party, in this case, the GOP, always calls the party in power weak, right? Oh, they're weak. They need to do more. Oh, this is all about Biden's weakness, right? And vice versa. You know, there's, you know, Democrats ratchet up the call to war just as much in different ways than Republicans. But it's like, if we could all accept that we're part of the world and not the world's police, maybe we could spend some of that $700 billion that we spend on defense, you know, for actual true security here at home, you know? Like, so... Once again, it's uh, it's it's tough. It's like we need a new toy. You know what I mean? Like we got it. If we're going to take away the toy of American exceptionalism, we just need like something else. And hopefully that something else is like not war with China. Right. Like, oh, maybe it could be a Green New Deal or Medicare for all. But exactly. we'll have to something fun it, to play with. Leave it there for now. But uh, again, I encourage everybody to join us out at the Bell House uh, on Thursday. Doors open at seven. The show begins at eight with Francesca Fiorentini and friends. And if you want to get a, a ticket, along with all the other good stuff we are offering on the show today, 212-209-2950. Become a WBAI buddy, $15 a month. You get all that wonderful stuff. Uh, we uh, uh, thank everybody for listening tonight. And, uh, Amba, do we have a, a, a going away song? Yes, and we'd like to thank all our guests and our sound engineer, Reggie Johnson. We're going to leave you with El Derecho de Vivir en Paz, or The Right to Live in Peace by Victor Jara. Jara, a socialist, was tortured and killed under Pinochet's dictatorship dictatorship in Chile. He played a pivotal role in establishing the Nueva Canción Chilena, the folk movement of the 1960s. So we'll listen here to El Derecho de Vivir en Paz. Ah.